And I thank you. Um, we'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to sit quietly and just allow the Spirit to speak to us now. We thank you for your loving presence. We thank you for how you enable us to be able to hear you, understand you, receive wisdom and knowledge from the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, Lord, for that. And we thank you that uh, you give us this time set aside to hear you speak to us. We thank you for your presence. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The lesson is dealing specifically with silence, being able to function, being able to hear the Spirit speak to you with moments of silence. And if we are thinking about this realistically, we as a people need to be able to communicate with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Spirit and be able to do so as an important part of our communication with him. Now, why do I say important? Silence is important. When you are communicating with someone or something, it's important for you to understand that in order for there to be effective communication, you need to be able to speak, but you also need to be able to listen. Listen. Be able to hear the Spirit speak. The Spirit is speaking to us pretty much all the time. There's not a time when He's not speaking to us. But the problem that we'll have, and we will continue to have as believers in Jesus Christ, if we are always giving God something, but we're not listening to His responses in return. So we need to be able to speak and we need to be able to listen. Listening is an important quality. When you go to work, for those of you who have worked, you know what it is to be able to communicate with your co-workers, communicate with your boss. And sometimes when you're talking to your boss, it's a little bit more listening than it is for you speaking. But the important part is that there is communication. Well, this is nothing really different when it comes to your communication with the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to be two-way communication, speaking and listening. And this important part of silence, what we're finding out as we look at ourselves, for some of us, it's easy for us to be quiet for stretches of time, about five minutes And I think five minutes is a reasonable amount of time. Now, you think five minutes isn't that long, but when you're quiet and when you're sitting quietly, you're going to find that five minutes is actually a lot longer than you think. And why do I say five minutes? We have a two-year Bible plan that allows for you to get through the entire Bible over a two-year period. And what you find, too, is if you follow that plan, you're actually going through Psalms and Proverbs twice. So it's actually one year of Psalms and Proverbs, but the two-year plan allows you to go through the Old Testament and the New Testament over a period of two years, and you read the whole Bible. Now, our church kind of has embraced the two-year plan for the simple reason that I personally have felt, from my own experience, that a one-year plan is too much for a lot of people, 
especially if you're busy, especially if you're moving about. A two-year plan allows you to get into the Bible for a period of seven to ten minutes a day. Seven to ten minutes a day is time that you can carve out every day. Amen? Seven to ten minutes a day is time you can carve out. You have to choose to carve it out. Now, where does that five minutes come in? Five minutes comes in after you read this seven to ten minutes worth of scripture and now sit and pray and meditate over what you've read. And that means you're sitting quietly and having interaction with God over a five minute period. So that takes you now to a threshold of 12 to 15 minutes. Which anyone can carve out of their time if you choose to do so. Whether it be in the morning or in the afternoon or at lunchtime or in the evening. There's no excuse for anyone here in this room to not spend that much time in the Bible. Now what you're going to find is that if that's all you got, 12 to 15 minutes, that's all you got based upon your schedule. But you'll find that as you have more of a hunger and a desire for the word, as you're sitting and listening to him speak to you, as you're meditating on his word, you might actually spend more time in his word. You as a believer have to prioritize this particular area of your life. If you don't prioritize this particular area of your life, I'm going to challenge you. You're stunting your growth in Christ. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. There's all kinds of ways to do it. The technology that we have today, I've seen many of you, even before, as we were starting class, you were looking at your cell phones or you're looking at your iPhones, whatever you have. The technology today allows you to take your Bible anywhere you want. Now, Brother Beecher's got the old school Bible, and the old school Bible is great when you're sitting quietly and reading, and you've got good light. You know, your devices give off light, so you've got a background, and just like Faith said, you can set it up where you're just reading and hearing. That's your technology today. Yeah, I heard you were listening. You're going to listen because that's the word being spoken to you. It's just reading from the device. Some programs give you that ability. This is eSword, which is one that I, I use primarily for my own research and for my own reading. And, it has, and that was from the English Standard Version. But you have the technology now. You don't have any excuses. You don't have any excuses. Bible Gateway is an excellent source on the Internet. BibleGateway.com. It's an excellent source. And yes, you can just listen. If you don't have time, if you're in the car, you can turn it on. Make sure if we don't get anything else discussed today, if you are having difficulty setting aside time, and I'm only talking 12 to 15 minutes a day after you get through with your reading and now you're, t- you're sitting down another five minutes and meditating on his word. 
Carve that time out of your day. Every day, not just Monday through Friday. That includes Saturday and Sunday as well, too. Carve the time out. And the great thing about the two-year plan, too, is that if for some reason you miss a day, it's not like you're behind the eight ball. You can catch up. It's not a big deal. Does anybody have any questions about this? I'm giving it emphasis because we have the tools, you have the technology, there's nothing wrong with old school, you've got new school that helps you to be able to understand scripture and find Bibles that you can read. Find Bibles that you can read. There's only a couple of Bibles that I would steer you away from. And that's the message, remix, and that's the living Bible. I think it's just too much. All the others, you're in the ballpark. You're in the ball game. Pick any other translation. You're in the ball game. Amen? Okay. So let's get back at this silence thing. Silence is an important part. Quietness. It's a big deal. It's something that you need to understand about having effective communication with Jesus Christ. Silence is important. And for, and for those of you who have a handout, I'm on page one. I'm going to be circling back through into page two where we were. And we need to understand that this silence is important because as we learn about the importance of meditation, meditation is one of the aspects of living in God's image. What? Where am I? Oh, you don't have You don't have it. Okay. Thank you, thank you. That's okay. So we're living in God's image. We want to make sure that we're understanding what the M in image is. It's on meditation, meditating on his word. And we read last week Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, a very important part. The first psalm is telling you the importance of reading and meditating on God's word. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. If you love something, you're going to go after it. Amen? If you love something, you're going to go after it. For a while there, I was into law and order. So, you know, the Law and Order, the original series, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, Law and Order, um, SVU, which is still on the air. I haven't been watching it lately. I've kind of gotten off of Law and Order a little bit now. But they're all but you can still get to Law and Order by either going online on iTunes or getting DVDs or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Law and Order trial by jury one season. I forgot about that one. There's. But I was into that. Well, if you're loving something like that, you're going to get into it. Why can't we get into God's word that way? Makes you think. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Okay. Oh, Facebook is what that what you said? Oh, okay. Right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. I got you. Okay, last week we did an exercise. We did an exercise and we sat for a couple of minutes. Was it a couple of minutes? About a minute maybe. All right, let's try it again. And that's for the benefit of those of us who were not here before. Because silence is something that is very important for us to be able to get through. So we're going to take one minute, one minute at a time, and I want you to sit and be prayerful. Pray to the Lord right now, starting now. Go. Okay, that was about a minute. Now, I think because you knew the test was coming this time, some of us were more successful at it. 
I know that last week we had some people who was like, uh. it was like, it's unnerving if you're not prepared for something like that. But I'm going to challenge you that this exercise is an indicator of where if you're scuffling with this quiet time, that was only one minute. Remember, we talked about five minutes. That was only one minute. We talked about five minutes before, just taking that extra time to carve out some time during the day so that you spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't carve it out, you ain't going to get it. You're not going to get it. It's not going to happen. You've got to stop and do these things. There is something in your life. Not everything in your life is more important than your time with Jesus. Amen? You have to make that commitment. Seek help from Jesus on this. Go to page two. If, you're, if you have trouble with this, if you think you're going to scuffle with it, seek Jesus. There are things that we rely upon Jesus to help us with. Amen? Some of us have a bad temper. A bad temper? I have not! There are some things we have to rely upon Jesus Christ to help us with. Some of those personality quirks that we have. Amen? Amen? Some of those personality quirks that we have, we have to rely upon Jesus to help fix these personality quirks. If you've got people always wanting to avoid you, something's wrong with that. Amen? I'm just telling it like it is. See, I'm not the pastor, okay? The pastor will be nice to you and tell you all kinds of great things. I'm not the pastor. I'm going to tell you things that you need to hear sometimes. And, you know, I'm including myself in that. I'm not excluding myself from that conversation. There are things that I need to fix. And I know I need to fix. But I also know that I am completely reliant on the Holy Spirit to fix these things. And if you're humbling yourself enough to know that, you know it too. You need to be quiet sometimes and I'll let him speak to you. And we talked briefly about ADD, ADHD. You know, those are things that are labeled where people have trouble with concentration. But there's ways that even Jesus can speak to you about those things. It's an important aspect of the ongoing development of your prayer life. Feel free to discuss this. We're all friends here. Well, we can all talk together. If there are things you're struggling with when it comes to your prayer life, no one's going to come down on you and say, man, I'm having a hard time with prayer life. Well, what's wrong with you? Ain't no one going to do that to you. You know why? Because Satan does not want you to have a successful prayer life. Do you understand that? Satan wants to mess up your prayer life. Satan wants you to say, God, I ain't got time for this. He wants you to push him away. Satan wants you to push God out of your life. That's a tactic. If you're aware of the tactic, you can fight the tactic. And everyone in this room knows what it is to be attacked by Satan in some way, shape, or form. Amen? Amen. Satan attacks. Satan is relentless. If you are not prayed up, you're going to be beaten up. That's the reality of it. 
Satan wants you to have low self-esteem. Satan wants you to feel sorry for yourself. Satan wants you to always say, woe is me about everything. Amen? When in fact, God tells you over and over, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he cares about you. But in order to receive his love, guess what? You have to take it. You have to embrace it. When you are silent and allowing the Lord to speak to you, you'll hear him. You'll hear him say those things. Are you ever uncomfortable with silence? When you are alone, do you need a radio or a TV on just to fill the emptiness? If so, why do you think you dislike silence? We had a conversation last week very briefly that sometimes low music in the background while you're praying is good. A lot of the apps, we talk about technology, a lot of the apps are out now that talk about meditation, provide low, soft music with you as you're sitting and praying and listening to the Lord. Why? Music is therapeutic. Music is therapeutic. Music has a therapeutic element to it. And remember something. Music was not just invented by man. Music has been around since before the world was formed. It's a creation of God. Never forget that. Music has always been around. There is a therapeutic quality to music. The right kind of music. Now, if you love headbanging music, I'm going to recommend headbanging music, like listening to punk rock while you're reading scripture, is not really going to work very well. It's just a thought, okay? It has to be the right type of music. Now, here's something that's very interesting. Let's talk about interpersonal relationships, shall we? How about silence from a person? You ever talk to somebody and they don't say nothing to you? Amen. Amen. They just look at you. Might even look at you with a funny face, too. How do you respond to that? When a person is silent, what kind of thoughts or emotions do you have in response? Now, look at the choices down there. Nervous, sad, hurt, curious, indifferent, paranoid, offended, isolated. Take a pen, check off which ones are yours. If someone, if you're looking at somebody or talking to somebody and they don't say anything to you, how do you respond? What do you think about? What's happening in your mind? I mean, the word uncomfortable might be a good word to put in there too. You're uncomfortable. What else are you? Are you nervous? Do you feel like someone should be saying something to you back? Are you sad about it? Are you hurt? Are you curious? Are you indifferent? Now, curious is interesting. It's like, why are you not talking to me? Indifferent, paranoid, offended, isolated. Now, there is a reason why we ask these questions. What do you think people's silence often represents? You're defining someone's silence towards you. And look at the choices. Rudeness, apathy, insecurity, insensitivity, judgment, punishment, disinterest, aloofness, tiredness. 
All of the above. Well, yeah, that's why there was all those choices. All of the above. And you can even put other. Yeah. There are. But what I want, want you to do is, is you tell me what you think, too. You know, all of these things would apply, certainly, or could apply. Which means that when you're in a conversation with someone and that other person is not saying something to you, it could be any one of those things. Any one of them. And as you can see, some of them have a negative connotation to them, and some of them don't necessarily have a negative connotation. It has more to do with what that person is feeling or what was going on in their own minds. But you see how communication can get whacked out if there is a misunderstanding or there is an ineffective closure within that communication link. One person communicating, the other person not communicating. All kinds of stuff goes off in your head. That affects you. Personally. It doesn't affect the other person. That's affecting you. You notice that? All these things we're talking about are what you're experiencing, not what the other person is experiencing. You're putting something on them to try to explain why there's no communication coming back. Now, there's a reason why we're doing this. We're doing this as an interpersonal exercise, but I'm going to challenge you that this is an exercise that sometimes we have with God. Because we've had studies and we've had conversations about why is God not answering my prayer? Why is God not answering my prayer? Now again, that's your response to his silence. It doesn't affect him in what any way whatsoever, it's an impact on you. Remember, veering off just a little bit, remember the importance of forgiveness. The importance of forgiveness is not for the other person. The importance of forgiveness is for you because you're the one all jacked up because of this whole thing about forgiveness. It affects you personally. It affects your health. It affects your, it affects your everyday life. You wound up sinning because you're not forgiving. It affects you. It has nothing to do with the other person. The other person probably could say, I don't care. And you really wouldn't want to hear that, would you? It doesn't matter if you don't want to hear it. Forgiveness is for you. This is the same thing that we're talking about here with communication. Go ahead. Repeat that again. Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison, hoping that the other person dies. Well, you're the one that drank the poison. I like that analogy. That's pretty good. Well, you won't forget that, no, because that... That's a statement that's a factual statement on how it hurts you. 
And understand this thing about communication. These are things that we're talking about that hurt you if you don't get a response from the other person. How you people in business still, how much does it tick you off? You write an email to somebody, you're waiting for a response, you don't hear anything. It's annoying, isn't it? It's annoying. You're trying to conduct business. Person that you're writing an email to now, understand, I'm in collections. So my expectation of people answering me when I'm demanding something from them for payment, I don't expect an answer. When they do answer, I'm like, whoa! So it's all in your expectations. But ultimately, there's a courtesy that's expected when you're communicating with someone, whether it's written or verbal. There's a courtesy that's expected. And when that courtesy is violated or affected, it trips you up. The way we feel about human silence results from how we perceive the motives of another's silence. We are perceiving the motives, not the other person. The other person ain't telling you anything. They're not saying anything. If we feel someone is simply being rude and that's why they are silent, we may feel offended or hurt. If we believe someone's silence is judgmental, our response may be nervousness. We tend to think about this because we often lump God and his silence in with all the tangled feelings we have about human silence. Why? Because we're human. You're a human being. You're human. This stuff affects you. It can bother you. When it comes to God... How do you tend to feel when he is silent? How do you tend to feel when he is silent? Yes. That's right. Okay. 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 And I did that, but she tended to back into that, you know, and I never tell my dad, I said, I get back to you, I'm not taking it on, what you think on. That's right. It's hard not to take back on your emotions. But it's been so much peace yeah. to know that God will take care of it no matter what, whether yeah. it's a little sign or anything. Yep. Because if you have this perspective, Okay. 
Right. Okay. That's right. Sometimes you don't need to do anything but just be quiet. And just wait. And just be quiet. That's the whole important thing about quietness. Quietness is not just no sound. Quietness also involves just being still. What does the scripture say? Be still and know that I am God. Well, that's not out there just for a random statement. Sometimes we just have to be still. And that's what we need to understand here. Yes, sir. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think we're talking about normal prayer. Yes. And that's the way we pray in general. But I'm going to put an asterisk on that statement. Okay. But you go ahead. There are crisis situations that you don't have time to rationalize. Okay. Psalm, Psalm 13 is one of them. Okay. Jonah, second chapter, is another one where he was in the fish. Okay. You didn't have time to rationalize anything. All you could do in the belly of that Well, he had three days. Well, he was in that fish, and he prayed while he was there. That's a Christ moment. Now, understand something. Now, you just said something that's really important. It's not based upon your timing. It's based upon his timing, because... Three days anywhere is a long time if you're confined. Think about that. It wasn't three minutes. It wasn't three hours. It was not 30 hours. It was three days. We could say the same thing about Peter when Peter said, Lord, if that's you, let me walk on this wall. Yeah. That's right. That's not a normal prayer. You don't have time to do anything but holler out. Understood. But I'm putting an asterisk on your statement only because we have to not make the assumption that all of us have effective prayer lives. Not saying that what you're saying isn't correct, but a lot of us are still learning how to pray at age 80. Age 80. Still learning how to pray. Still learning how to rely upon him. Still learning how to listen properly. That's why we're going through this whole exercise. Some of us scuffle with silence. If we're scuffling with silence and quietness, guess what? Your prayer life is not going to be as good. It's not always just you talking. Yes, there is talking in your prayer life. Amen? Amen. There is communication coming from you. But what's coming back to you? 
Are you hearing God speak to you? Are you really hearing what he's saying? Are you even understanding why he's silent at any given period of time? That's a challenge for all of us. Yes. Yep. You keep praying. Yeah. If you're three days into it, you keep praying. Yep. For example, to go from the probably moments long to 40 days long. Yep. Or 40 years long. Yep. So the length of the trial does not dictate the prayer. The that's prayer right. dictates what's going on in the trial. That's what that's about. It. And we're always learning. We don't know how much the trial is going to be. The trial could be the, the trial could be not to interrupt you. The trial could be a lifelong trial. Let's start with that. Now nobody wants to hear that, but it's the truth. But it's the truth. Because we are blessed to not have what I would consider lifelong trials. Generational trials. Generational trials. That's right. That's right. We've got to understand that our timing is not God's timing. Amen. It might have been 800 years. Yeah. It might have been 1,000 years. So the sooner we pray, the sooner we can get through whatever it is that we got to get through. And it ain't about just us. Yeah. It's about that next generation. That's right. If you're not praying for yourself, at least pray for those that are in your circle or your influence. Pray for your children. Pray for your children's children. Pray for their children. Because it ain't just about you. So now we understand, too, that this thing about prayer, what Ronnie was talking about before was this give and take going back and forth. That's healthy. That's a healthy communication going back and forth. But notice how she said she stopped and waited. That's healthy. That's a healthy exchange. And understand something. Prayer is as simple as having a conversation with God. That's all it is. It's not... It's nothing fancy. We can be really eloquent in church in front of other folks getting up and praying. Oh, heavenly Father, blah, 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 blah. Oh, come on now. It's a conversation. You're just talking to God. You give him the appropriate reverence. Jesus gives us the example in Matthew about how to pray. He's told us about how to pray. He's told us what's important in prayer because you're giving God the proper reverence, but we're not on a performance. And the reason why we say these things is because you have to understand something. What people are exposed to, and if they're exposed to incorrect teaching or incorrect presentation, they will emulate the incorrectness and not develop their own prayer life. Have to say it because it's true. A lot of us don't know how to pray. We haven't been exposed to it the right way. We haven't been taught how to pray the right way. So, yes, it's going to be a heck of a thing to learn about how to be silent. If you don't know how to pray, then you don't know how to be silent. Here's a question for you. If you prayed and heard nothing from him, what do you think his silence often represents? Now, we already know this answer a little bit. It means not now. And remember, we put this definition in here because that's us. 
God's not telling us sometimes to wait. Sometimes you just don't hear anything. So we'll put a word on it to define it. Well, he must mean wait. Well, yeah, it may not be wrong, but it also may not be right. It may be a timing thing. It may be as simple as that. We are very reactionary people. We want answers now. That's how we're wired. We're wired that way. We want answers right away. Why am I going through this trial? And sometimes see, there's no answer. And sometimes it's simple because, because you are. And sometimes you are because he's, yeah, Job. Because he's teaching you something in that trial. And other people. That's right. The book of Job is a great example of that. There's 40 chapters of stuff going on in Job. Joseph's another one. You're just going to keep rattling them off now, aren't you? But there are all these, these are all examples. All right, fine. All right. That was the second bell? Oh, my goodness. I did not realize that. Okay, well, that was the second bell. So we got a place we can stop and pick up next week. Pray about your prayer life. Pray about your silent time listening to God. All of us have work in this area. Amen? All of us have work to do in this area because you're not an expert in prayer. No one in this room is an expert in prayer. It's an ongoing learning process. And I'm very thankful for that. I want God to keep teaching me something new as I live my life for him. And that should be your prayer as well, too. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to sit quietly and hear you speak to us once again. Lord, we are very grateful for this. We're grateful for how you teach us. We're grateful for the lessons that come about just from this good, healthy, and conversation discussion. Thank you for the reminders of people in Scripture that we look to and the characters that we've seen, like Job, like Joseph, how they persisted in prayer, asking questions, and that God ultimately teaches them as well as teaching others about how you are sovereign. You are to be glorified and you are to be praised. We pray now for the upcoming message in the speaker and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.